0: The following is a message by Dr. Howell Jones of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at westcal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. Let us pray. We give thee our thanks, O Lord our God, for such a prospect as we have read of in thy word and have sung in thy presence this morning, and also for the confidence thou hast given to us through the merit of thy Son and by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, assuring us that we ourselves will be among that blessed throng forever and ever. We pray that thou wilt fill our hearts with joy and peace on this account. Enable us to live here below as those that are citizens of that eternal city whose architect and builder thou thyself art. And by thy spirit give us intimations of that glory that awaits us. And enable us to spend the time of our pilgrimage and sojourning here below in a way that is worthy of thy great grace and conducive toward thy great glory. Hear us, we pray. Pardon our sins. Continue thy blessing on this institution and all who serve in it. Remember those who have gone forth with the gospel to the far corners of the earth. Grant them thine aid so that they might know that their labor is not in vain. In thee the Lord and we commit to thee those who are on our hearts who are in need, and ask thy blessing upon them and theirs. Hear us, pardon our sins, receive our praise and thanks for Jesus' sake. Amen. You be seated, please. The portion of scripture that I want to set before you this morning is from uh, the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 25 verses 6, 7, and 8. Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6, 7, and 8. Let us hear the word of God. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. May God bless to us his own word. What else can it be? I've got a title for this sermon. It's not very inventive. It is a feast, exclamation mark, a feast, exclamation mark. The prophet repeats the word, and here it is a feast better than the one that took place on Sinai following the deliverance from the Egypt from Egypt and the making of the covenant when Jehovah was king among the tribes of Israel. Far better also than was held on King David's accession to the throne, or even his son Solomon. Because here the Lord reigns. He is finally at last intervened to put down all authority and rule and power, to exalt himself as the one and only God and Lord, and he is among his people whom he has saved, and he and they reign over all that has reared its head against him and them. Lament and poverty, thing of the past. Liberty and prosperity at hand. What has been looked for by the people of God ever since the Garden of Eden when there was that promise of a seed of the woman that would bruise the head of the serpent, now is actualized. And Isaiah describes it here albeit from an Old Testament perspective, but that is what he is describing. And he again ransacks language and imagery in order to do so. And here is an immense audiovisual. The sights and sounds of words, their significance and their stimuli. Assonance, repetition. Seven plural endings used by him in order to convey meaning and create effect. What are we told about this feast? Five things. Should be five sermons, but five things. Very, very quickly. Here's the first. Who makes the feast? That's an important question, isn't it? In connection with any feast. The identity of the host. Why? Well, because that's going to have effect and result on the impressiveness of the occasion and the abundance of the provision. Here it's Jehovah of hosts who is himself the host at this feast. And that expression as you know combines grace, Jehovah and greatness. Hosts, all the armies of heaven At his beck and call. Here is condescension and power. Nothing beyond his ability to achieve. Whatever he wishes to put his hand to, he can bring about with consummate ease, but allied to grace, so that he condescends to provide, and to provide so richly and abundantly that he whom David confessed as the Lord his shepherd will, re- will, will ensure that there is no lack for his people. Here is a revelation then of his goodness and greatness that transcends his six-day work of creation and anything that is described in the garden before that old dragon and serpent. Infiltrated into the sacred kingdom of the Lord. No president, no queen can lay on such an occasion or make such provision. Jehovah of hosts, triune, omnipotent. Where then is this feast held? Location is of significance too, isn't it, in connection with a feast. I suppose a banquet has to have a particular location in order to qualify as being worthy of that kind of description. Well, here is the location. On this mountain, verses 6 and 7, repeated, you see, so that it isn't overlooked. This is not going to be held in any other place but the mountain where the Lord of hosts himself reigns. Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and his glory will be before his elders. Here is the place where he lives and reigns, and he receives people. It's the antitype of Eden. Tabernacle. First temple and second temple, not the earthly Jerusalem. It's not Cana or Galilee either, nor Bethany, where Jesus met with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and ate and drank with them. It's not the shore of Lake Galilee. Here is the new Jerusalem. Here is a, a universe purged, ennobled, Irradiated by his immediate presence. It's beyond our ability to depict. It's even, even the reality that is, beyond what John, the divine, could describe. The reality exceeds the depiction. But it's not only the place where he lives and reigns, it's the place where he died and rose as it were. The temple, threshing floor of Arauna, that's where the temple was to be built. Moriah, that's where the angel of the Lord's hand was stayed against his people, where wrath and mercy met. It goes back to that mountain where Isaac was spared as Abraham was about to offer him to the Lord. The lamb is all the glory in Emmanuel's land. The lion lamb, the lamb king, he'll be there. And that is the greatest thing conceivable about this location. We shall see him. But then, in addition to that, what's on the menu? Imagine a feast without food and drink. Wouldn't qualify, would it? And here is a menu that is longer and of course better than any of the menus in American restaurants. In general and in particular terms, we're given some description of it. In general, These plural nouns, full of marrow, well refined. The best is being kept until then. We have fortists now. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to be. Everything in heaven will have E numbers on it, and the E will stand for eternity, the exceeding riches of his grace. The greatness of his mighty power. Paul can't deal with it adequately. He's got to multiply superlative on superlative. And then it falls short, far short, of the reality. Eye has not seen nor ear heard. Mind of man has not conceived the things that God has prepared for them that love him. It's a little that we know now. The best is yet to be. Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied, say, say the apostles. There's no lack. There'll be enough leftovers for everybody, and none of it will go still. And it's provided not merely as a display of the magnificence and the munificence of Jehovah's hosts Every feast reflects upon the one uh, who is responsible for it, doesn't it? But here is a feast, second to none, that doesn't merely reflect the host, but is intended to convey benefit to the guests. It's there for the delight and the satisfaction and the pleasure and the benefit of all those who attended. But there are some particular items on the menu, on the agenda. And just as that city was planned by God as well as built by him, so here he's the cook as well as the host. Because no one else can provide destruction of death. It's only the one who is living Who can do that? And remove the veil of sadness and grief and even fear that covers all people on account of the universality of sin and its entail the awfulness of death. But He will put death to death, He does it in His Son. Jehovah Jesus who drew its sting who deprived the law of its strength by his righteous life and atoning death so that he's changed dying itself for each and for all of his people who won't see death they live in dying and be with him until the great day when all are gathered together at the marriage supper of the lamp or a feast. But in addition to that, there's the removal of reproach. God's people have always been under reproach in a fallen world. Always been the object of Satan's hatred. No sooner did the Lord God say, I will put enmity. And Satan hated Adam and Eve. And all his brood have hated the seed of the woman on account of that particular seed who crushes Satan's head. And not only throughout the Old Testament and the New, but throughout history. his people have been slighted, marginalized, hated, persecuted, killed in the most agonizing ways conceivable. They've been called names. Paul, Nazarene, perhaps even Christian, was a name that was devised in that way. Methodist, Bible person in the Boxer Uprising in China and now you and I, though we would never describe ourselves as fundamentalists, we will be going to be, we will be lumped together in that way by those who say all truth is relative. You insist on anything, you're a radical fundamentalist and there's not much difference between you and a Muslim terrorist. But death is going to be destroyed and reproach is going to be brought to an end and it will be obvious that you and I, you and I, nobodies, not many wise, not many noble, not many mighty, nobodies, we will shine as stars in the firmament because we will reflect his glory that will irradiate us. Quickly, who are on the guest list? All nations, not just Jews. You remember Paul's great list in Colossians 3.11, neither Jew nor Greek and the one hated the other. Neither Jew nor Greek nor barbarian and Jew and Greek hated barbarian. And then not merely content with barbarian, Scythian, the barbarian hated the Scythian. And here they are, here's a new humanity. They're all together. There aren't just a few of them, great crowd. No one can number. Every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation. They'll all be there. There's one other thing. It's almost the best of the lot. Who will wait on them? Who will wait on them at this feast? My wife had to get used to many new things in the last six years. And... Uh, I've succeeded, haven't I? One of them still takes me a bit by surprise. We go to a restaurant and the waiter comes and says, my name is so-and-so and I will be your server. It always takes me by surprise. I'm still not comfortable with that, as you say. And to tell the truth there have been occasions when it would have been better if they'd remained anonymous. (laughs) Service can ruin ambiance and provision, can't it? But of course it can also enhance it, which is why waiters say what they do. Who will wait on you and me In heaven. He will. With a towel. Remember John 13. With a towel of his love. He will wipe away every tear. So that we will never cry again. And he'll remove every trial so that we'll never grieve again. And he won't divest himself of his regalia in order to do so. Remember in the upper room, he laid aside his outer garments, he took a towel, he girded himself. He'll be center in this heavenly feast and because time and space are no more each and every one will see him and each and every one will have his attention and in all the regalia of his glorified humanity with a pierced hand he'll wipe away every tear banish Every trial. And that will be forever. Let us pray. We give thee thanks, O Lord our God. For we deserve hell, darkness, poverty, shame, anguish, torment. And we find this prospect before us and a foretaste, and a foreglimpse of it in our minds and hearts receive our thanks enable us to live in the light of the fact that goodness and mercy shall surely follow us all the days of our life